Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Welcome to the New Books in History podcast. I am your host, Ari Barbalat. Today, I am honored to be in dialogue with Bjorn Westley. He, he is a writer and a historian with a PhD. He formerly worked at the University of Oslo Metropolitan. Today we'll be discussing his newly published book, My Father's War, Confronting Norway's Nazi Past, translated by Dean Kruk, published in Madison, Wisconsin by University of Wisconsin Press 2023. Bjorn, it's an honor to be in dialogue with you today. Thank you. To begin, can you kindly tell us about yourself? What formative events in your life inspired the scholar you are today? Um, it was it was my father's war. When I was uh, only seven years old, I, I wrote a swastika in, uh, in the school. I just started uh, um, at, the, uh, at the school uh, and... And I, I wrote that swastika just to uh, to to find out what kind of a reaction would my teacher give me. And she was yeah, furious when she saw that. And then I understood that the that the swastika, the Nazi, is something with my father, because I think I cannot remember that, but I think I had seen a swastika in our home um, because my father was a Nazi during the Second World War and um, as the book tells he was also an SS Viking soldier in Ukraine um, together with the German army that went in there in 1941. So I would say that his history and of course also the way that he treated my mother because he had been, uh, uh, after the war, he was sen- sentenced and uh, two and a half a year in prison, in a labor, uh, and also in a labor camp. And he was, he couldn't, he couldn't live with the fact that he had been a traitor because he didn't think he was a traitor. So 
that's formed me. What inspired you to prepare this book? The necessity, necessity to understand more what my father had done in Ukraine. So then I had to go to Ukraine. And one of the things that he had uh, robbed from some Ukrainians, it was it's a, a shrine, um, very beautiful shrine, uh, that uh, uh, when my when my mother mother and father divorced. My mother took the shrine and she gave it to me. And I understand my father told me that it was from Russia, but he was not in Russia. He was in Ukraine. So I found out that I want to go to Ukraine and uh, follow some of the, 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 the road that these soldiers followed, uh, also my father. And I took the shrine with me and I... Uh, I showed the shrine to old people along this route and asked them to, uh, had, I, 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 I can't Ukraine, so I had a translator with me. And she asked this, uh, some lot of women, what kind of a shrine is this? And then I got the answer. There was there's a shrine that no one wanted to give voluntarily to my father. He had stolen it. So, um, but this shrine was in our uh, very small apartment when I grew up. And he had his pipes and his tobaccos in, in the shrine. So, and it was the mystery of the shrine that started it, I would say, when I was very young. And, uh, and in the end, I had to fulfill that find out what what was it and um, so I I thought that the, the book should have the name of the mystery shrine or something like that but um, but it it was my it become my father's work instead so so I went so I had and I know a lot about Ukraine history and from the war of course and also after that I've been in Ukraine four or five times what story does this book tell that one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book is that there are many of um, uh, kids from kids, uh, sons and daughters that had a Nazi father who doesn't really uh, are they don't they don't uh, care about this this Nazi history. Many of them also supports their fathers or mothers that was member of the Nazi party during the German occupation. Uh, but some of us are ha, have all, always been against what they did. So I, uh, and many books have been written by those soldiers that were a part of the German army, Norwegian, the German army in 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 uh, in Soviet Union during the Second World War, but they have just uh, every one of them, almost everyone has been. Uh, they 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 try to understand why they did it uh, in a way that they did not anything wrong. So I thought it uh, it would be, be, be necessary for me to write a book that was very critical about what my father did. And you know, I, I, my my father died when he's nineteen and, 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 and nineteen three years old. But I, 
managed to talk to him in the last years, interviewed him, and he was a, he, he was happy that I interviewed him because he wanted me to understand what he had what he had done. And uh, and I used that in the in the book. So for many years I didn't want to have anything with him uh, to do. Um, but when I uh, uh, when I wrote this book and I I, I, I read every chapter for him um, and uh, in a way that he, he was happy that I was interested in what he had done, even though he uh, 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 he, st he still um, um, think it was correct to him to go to war against Soviet Union. Um, and but but as he told me that the problem for him after the war was the fact what they did to the Jews in in Ukraine because he was not against he was not an anti-Semite he was not an anti-Semite uh, and and uh, his mother was uh, very very Christian she was so. Um, interested in the in the Jewish history and everything and, and that was something that he uh, that he uh, I wouldn't say that he uh, well is is up to the before he died he um, he um, he said it was um, necessary for him to go to the go in in the war what interconnections between the Nazi occupations of Norway and of Ukraine does your book present? You've alluded to this, but I'd be grateful if you could go into more detail about the parallels and interconnections between these two occupations. Well, no, the Adolf Hitler's um, goal was to conquer not only Europe, but also the Soviet Union and every Republic that was a part of Soviet Union and uh, um, the Nazi Party in Norway and also uh, uh, and the and the German Nazi Party they wanted Norwegians and, and Scandinavians to uh, take over this uh, this very big uh, Ukraine a fantastic uh, um, production of of uh, of food and everything, and they, my father and his comrades, they were, they were, they were told that they should have a, a a big, big, big farm in Ukraine after the war. So, 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 um, uh, so the Germans wanted to uh, to have uh, um, uh, people from Nord Nordic countries to. To invade, not only to invade, but they should take over, take over Ukraine and the and the farms after the war. So it's uh, so so uh, some of the uh, uh, Nazi Norwegian Nazi leaders during the Second World War, they also went to uh, to Ukraine to see how beautiful it it is. I mean, I have been going when I when I when I have been in in summer in Ukraine. You know, there's miles for miles for miles for miles with with corn and fantastic uh, agriculture, 
possibilities. And, and you know, there were not only Norwegians that soldiers that come to Ukraine, it was also Swedish and Finns and Danish um, were also uh, SS soldiers there. And uh, they were, you know, I see. I have seen the paper that they were, that they were uh, given. Um, to, but um, so I, in my book, I one place in the book I see myself as a, as a farmer in Ukraine because so my father had taken a, a a big big farm there. It was just in a, it it was not of, <laughs> it, it was more like, more like a dream, a dreadful dream, of course. So. Um, that's the connection. They wanted to have Nordic people taking over the farms in Ukraine. How did you become interested in your family history? I think very many people are interested in their family history. But my family history was more, more interesting than others because my father had been on, on the German side during the Second World War. Um, I couldn't understand that. I just wanted to find out how could he? <clears throat> and how could he be an SS soldier? Um, and 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 the top of it, and on top of it is that my my mother, she was not a Nazi. She even had a a Jewish friend uh, from nineteen forties till she was uh, till she was arrested and sent to Auschwitz. How could my mother really? Love that guy. Uh, I try to find it out. I'm writing about it now. So um, I think we had a very special history. I know there were also some uh, kids in my class that had a, that same uh, same 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 fathers, some kind of fathers, but we didn't talk to, talk about it. We didn't talk about it because it was a secret in a way. In the 1950s, when I went to school, um, but almost almost everyone has 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 hidden this this. But I'm I'm the one who uh, who wrote a book about it. They had some someone has written written books, uh, but in, but in uh, in support of their fathers. But I, I'm the one who wrote the book against my father. Someone had to do that. Uh, I remember um, uh, people could, uh, after the book uh, was published um, in 2008, um, people called me and uh, they were so angry. They called me a traitor and everything. But then in 2008, I won the non-fiction literature prize in uh, in Norway for the book. And after that, um, uh, my book was very pub- uh, was absolutely very popular. And but the, but I know that someone told me that they they didn't they used the book uh, in their own family in order to manage to to tell their wives and their, their kids that their father also were a part of that dreadful war. What aspects of Norway's history during World War II first piqued your interest? It was very easy in a way. How could some Norwegians support the Adolf Hitler's occupation of Norway? How would that be possible? And that um, 
I, I couldn't understand that. Um, well, there were, of course, there were Nazis before the war. Um, but when, but when Germany um, attacked Norway and to conquer Norway, how could someone support that? I, 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 I actually, I can't today. Don't I can't understand it. Well, it, because well, well, someone of course wanted to use it in a way to earn some money, or oh, I don't know, but. Um, it's really pos impo impossible. Yeah. I, 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 I would, uh, I would have fled the country if I, I, that was possible, or I will be in the underground or something like that. Um, it was uh, 40, 50,000 people that you uh, was a member of the Nazi party during the Second World War in Norway. My father was that. When he came back from Ukraine, he um, he also job. Uh, um, was a, a Nazi, a, a Nazi party member who tried to uh, try to find more young kids and girls that wanted to join the Nazi party. And uh, well, I I don't it's it's uh, I don't understand it, but I had to find it out, of course. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. In your opinion, has the story of the Nazi occupation of Norway been adequately studied and told by scholars of modern Norwegian history? There are still some important questions and, uh, and that we have not been uh, um, enough been uh, written about. Um, and that's the collaboration from those who did not were member of the Nazi party. Big industries and 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 others that actually earned a lot of money during the Second World War. Um, I, in 1995, uh, when I was a journalist, I worked in the biggest daily um, com com um, uh, commercial financial newspaper, and I was a uh, and I, I wrote in 1995. I wrote an article, a documentary about how the how the Jews were not only uh, physical liquidated but also financial liquidated and that story had no one actually written before and then 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 it was an, an uh, epro after I had written that article and something happened uh, maybe I've been very obsessed about that the, the fact that the Jews were sent out of the out of the country uh, to Auschwitz and killed 751, but no one had really been interested in the plunder of the Jewish Jews in Norway. So that was something I opened, I would say. That was what one of the questions that hadn't been um, clarified before. And there are still some uh, questions, but one of the, uh, every, every country had that problem after the occupation. 
they call in France they call it the the um, they had the there was some foreigners who had to start to to write about the collaboration between the France people in France and the Germans. And this this kind of a collaboration, uh, well, well, all the Nazis were taken, of course, but the collaboration be, be, between Germans and those who were not Nazis, that has also been a, a very difficult question for every country that was occupied by the Germans. And it still is. We haven't gone, it's so many years ago, but there are still uh, very important questions um, that we are not taken and more se- haven't taken that more seriously. There is still, still a lot of uh, companies that hasn't been, hasn't been said anything about it. So, so we are, we are. Well, I, I don't think we ever will, will be finished with it, that history. But I see that there is uh, um, young uh, historians now that they are starting. That they have no limitations in a way um uh, so they they go further now i i can see because just after the war even the historians they were a part of that of that um uh that they, they couldn't they could they couldn't write about those who helped the nazis sending the the jews to auschwitz there was some something that they couldn't there's something that I stopped them. I don't know what kind of it was. It, it was a kind of a uh, kind of a, uh, the, 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 they wanted to have that the, the, the story that the Norwegians didn't do any, anything wrong. It was only the Nazis, only the Germans. That was a story in, in every almost every every country that was occupied. Can you describe the activities of Regiment Nordland? Regiment Nordland, that was um, a special uh, um, military part of uh, the German SS, uh, because the the Germans, they wanted to have uh, Norwegians and also the Nordic people from from, from Sweden and Denmark in, in, in that kind of a regiment, together with some Germans, of course, also. The Finns had their own regiments, their own regiments. Uh, but this regiment, Norland, they had uh, uh, German officers uh, and Nordic, uh, mostly Nordic uh, soldiers. And my father was a part of that. And they were all, uh, in 1941, January 1941, before before Ge- uh, Germany had uh, invaded Soviet Union. My father and his comrades, they... Um, and joined the Regiment Norland, which was a part of SS Viking, and um, so and they were sent to 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 Austria to Graz, where they were trained for many months, uh, many months, uh, and then they uh, were a part of uh, a regiment in invasion of Soviet Union in in the summer of nineteen forty one, and. Uh, um, so they were um, they were a mixed Nordic group, but uh, mostly Norwegians, I, I suppose it was. Yes, it was only mostly Norwegians, and then uh, they were in 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 invasion there. 
but there were also other uh, regiments with Norwegians, but uh, they were uh, more north of the uh, on the front, more in from in from uh, Finland in and uh, yeah, in uh, Leningrad uh, and now St. Petersburg. Um, but this regiment Norland was in in the area in Ukraine mostly, I think. And um, and uh, so, the, but they were uh, uh, they were a part of the the big the big big uh, invasion. Four thousand. It was more more than four thousand Norwegian soldiers, and also from sisters, um, um, some hundred front sisters that also were part of that uh, Norwegian uh, part Norwegian part of the invasion. Can you tell us about your father? What was his personality like? What were his character strengths? What would those who knew him in private say about him? Mm, difficult question, but I, I'll try. Most of all, he was very intellect, intelligent. When he was 13, 14 years, he learned Germany, German, so he could... Uh, so we could follow the uh, the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics uh, in Germany in 1936. He was very interested in sports. So uh, when he saw that, understood that uh, the Olympics uh, in Germany were very successful, um, he even liked uh, the German uh, Germans uh, even better, and uh, of course also Adolf Hitler. It meant that Adolf Hitler had the answer of the problems of Europe very early. But he didn't want to join the uh, the Norwegian Nazi party because where he where he lived in, in a small city with a big industry, emanation uh, industry, which now are producing weapons for Ukraine. Um, uh, he, he didn't want to join the, the Nazi party then because of the, he, he he thought that it was only the 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 the, the, the kids from those rich people that were working on the in the in the in the industry and so he he was a, a he was a working class guy guy um, so he joined. Uh, uh, he joined the, the Nazi party after the invasion of Norway in 1940, summer of 1940, he became member, even though he didn't like in the beginning that uh, Norway was occupied. But then he he thought that the Germans, uh, they, you know, they treated Norwegians good, he said, he told me. So he was a in very intelligent guy very stubborn when he had done something he was st he stood by back it stood by it so um i was born nine years uh, uh five in 1949 and i remember my father he he had then had been two and a half years in, in prison and i remember him it's very difficult to remember him because he was working working all the time it was really difficult for him to get a job in the in the beginning, but then he got a job. But he 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 he, he could he should have he, he could and he should have started at the university 
is start to do something with this, get more education uh, and and do something else. But he was very stubborn. He didn't want to be a part of the Norwegian society because they had they had sent him him to the prison. It means that uh, that my mother and I and even and, and my sister we were you no know, part of outside Norway in a way. We lived in a very very uh, very poor conditions and all the two rooms we were three four people without bath without the toilet so it was a very grim um, situation and and I think really that he wanted also that we should understand how he had been treated bad because he thought he had been treated bad by the Norwegian because he had to go to the prison because he didn't think he had done anything wrong so that was uh, that kind of a, a kind of kind of a person but he was he always uh, he, he was a reader he loved of course Knut Thompson the guy who supported the Nazi party and he loved um, the old uh, russian uh, rich, uh, writers and he um, uh, i have all of his books in my home now and but he was working all the time he was working in the um, with with uh, washing clothes and you know everything, it, it, we were very poor. And I, I and then he was more and more uh, angry for my mother. I don't know why, but uh, I remember I tried to run as fast as I could away from that. We didn't talk about education. We didn't think thought about. We didn't talk about schools. So I very early I jumped out of the school and started uh, um, finding something to that I can earn some money. But when I was 22, uh, uh, 19, first, first, it was 19, 19, I ran away and uh, went to a school um, many, many, a long way from uh, Oslo. And then I started to, uh, then after two years, I started to, at the university. I ran away from my family. I had to do that. That's the way I saved my life. Um, so I I started to write as a journalist, and I, it was a success. I was a success as a journalist. And um, then I, and for many, many years, I didn't have any contact with my father. I had contact with my mother. But after my father divorced her, I uh, it uh, I didn't see him at all for many many years. But then he started to he wanted to have contact with me, so he 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 talked to me with a lot of cassettes, video uh, audio cassettes. So at the uh, um, in in uh, two thousand and three, I my youngest daughter she went she, she went to him. And then she got a big um, a box with cassettes that she gave to me. Then I started to listen to it. And that was the start of the, the book that you are talking about. So he, he asked when, but when I started to write the book, I took con contact with him. Then I started to interview him. And at the end of that session, just before the book was published, uh, I, we, we sat to each other. Now I have got a father and you have got a son. And he said, 
now I, I, I have a son and you have a father. So thank you for sharing. Can you tell us about your mother? How was she impacted by the events chronicled in this book? She was the victim. She uh, met my father in 1944. Her family were against the Nazis and her sister had been a nurse when the Germans occupied Norway and the Norwegian uh, soldiers tried to stop them. And some of them were, were wounded, of course, and even dead. And she was a, a front sister in a way. So the, her family was against the Nazis, but still my mother fell in love with uh, my father in 1944. She was not a Nazi. She was just, just in love. It's, it's impossible to understand it. What kind of a, how can people really love someone like him? But he was uh, handsome and uh, he was a, um, a, a, in a way a tool to also for her, because she wanted to get away from her family outside uh, in Norway, uh, in in um, long away from Oslo, the biggest city. And he was going to Oslo to start to work as a police. And she followed him when she was 19 years old. Um, she was so in love with him. And she, uh, in 1945, he was arrested, but she waited for him when he was in prison. And she loved him so much that even he even when he was um, brutal and, and everything, he was the one that, in the end, um, divorced her. Um, that's a long story. My mother was very, she helped me. She made me, she made me start reading books. She took me to the library. She was very kind. She's, she was more uh, kind to me than her daughter. And um, she, she was a very good person. But um, my father was more and more um, um, untrue. He had other women, and she started to drink. I was I was not living with them at that moment. But uh, in the end, she died younger than I am now. So she was a good person. She took a very very wrong decision in her life. That she in the end also I shouldn't have done that. I'm writing about my mother now, a new book. What will you be sharing about her in the new book? She had a, she had a Jewish friend, a, a famous person that her name is Ruth Meyer. She uh, managed to, to flee Austria in 1938 and she come to Norway and, and she befriended my mother. And this Ruth Meyer, she has written a very, very many poems about my mother that had been published after my mother was um, uh, was um, gone. Um, and she, so I, I don't, my mother, she doesn't know, she didn't know about this uh, poems that uh, Ruth uh, wrote about her. But here we, here we, here, here we sit on the, on the right side of, of me. There's a picture about Ruth Meyer that my mother got from her in August 1940. And on the back, on the, on the, on the picture, there's a 
uh, it's a um, um, sign from Ritmai to my mother Agnes. So that's the book I'm writing now. I haven't managed. I had. I couldn't write it. Uh, I I've been thinking about it for many many years, but now I'm doing it. I think it's going to be my last book. Can you tell us about the sojourn in Graz, Austria, described in your book? In January 19, uh, 19, uh, 1941, in January, when my father and his friends, they were joined the SS, uh, um, the SS Waffen-SS, they were uh, sent to Graz in Austria, where they had this uh, um, soldier school. And they, then they were trained there for many months, intro, in, uh, indoctrinated, of course, with Nazi uh, story. And they were, you know, it was a very hard training camp for many months. And uh, then they were drilled, drilled in the Nazi story and in what they were going to uh, and how, why they want, uh, why they had to support Adolf Hitler and Germany and the German uh, history, Nazi history, and what they wanted to do. But at that moment, when they were there, in the beginning, uh, they, were no, they were not told where, where they should be soldiers. It was not talking about the invasion of Soviet Union. At that moment, uh, Germany and Soviet Union were in a uh, in a in a pact, non uh, non aggression pact. But that non aggression pact, it was um, they were broken in uh, in in when uh, Germany suddenly with three million soldiers invaded Soviet Union. So my my father didn't know that he was going to fight against Soviet Union Soviet Union. And Stalin, he, they wanted to help Germany wherever they wanted to use them. So they were not told that they were going to Soviet Union uh, until the day before they were going there, going through Poland and then in into Ukraine. And uh, uh, so they were. This was a. Uh, this was a, this, this was a Nazi drilling school in a way. So uh, even though he supported Germany before that, he was even more eager and even more Nazi, believing the story of uh, how uh, Germany wanted to liberate Soviet Union people. Even but, uh, but, uh, the story was not, they, don't, they didn't want to liberate uh, people in, in, in Russia and Soviet Union. They wanted to, they wanted to be. They wanted to use them as slaves. That's what I did. Um, so, uh, so my father was. Uh, he was uh, in. He was in Kiev in Ukraine. He was uh, all the way along a long route in Ukraine, where where the Russians now are trying to trying to. To 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 broke the whole Ukraine as society and you know, so it's a, a very interesting story in the way that my father was a, a German soldier in Ukraine fighting against the the Red Army, and now the Russians army now again trying to take 
the Ukraine. It's uh, I mean, it's uh, I wonder what my father would have said when he if he had lived now. Um, so yes, um, so it this he was he was big. He 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 become a, a a drilled and trained SS soldier in Gras. What were some of the problems and challenges you encountered while undertaking this research? My own feelings. How much do I really wanted to know about him? How brutal was he? What did he do in Ukraine? I found his, uh, you know, he was uh, sentenced to, to two and a half years in prison. Um, it, was, it was only two years, two and a half years, and then in a labor camp. But when I saw the documents and, uh, well, the, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy task to investigate you, your father being a traitor. You don't like the, the story that your father has been a traitor. And, and one of the questions that I always had in my mind is what's in it, what's in it, what's in, in me from him? I, I wondered, is there something that what, I mean, uh, because he, he was my father, there's something in my, perhaps there was something in my genes from him, something brutal, I don't know. But, um, but I think, uh, some of his intellectual sides and his intelligence, I I, a, I, I know that that's something I got from him. Uh, so that's uh, that was the, I think the most difficult thing. But you know, I have used I I uh, I've I've found some. He gave me some letters that he had written, that he had to his brother in Norway, and I got us these letters. And uh, so he he wanted he he was actually in a way happy that I wanted to find out everything about him because he understood of course that he had an interesting story and uh, that time I had already written some books and uh, and uh, and he he wanted to store, speak to me because for many years I didn't want to speak to him. And when I had to, when I was uh, in, in order to write these books, I had to talk to him. And so he was happy there, uh, happy because I talked to him. So, um, so, uh, so then he was eager to tell his, how much of the story he could tell. When I asked him, uh, how many Jewish did you kill father? He, um, he didn't like that, then the question. Thank you for sharing. So, uh, yes. Uh, whether that's the question I still think thinks about, think about what's in me from him. Thank you for sharing and thank you for providing what you've conveyed. What was your aim in writing this book? It's um, 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 writing a, an interesting book that no one had written before and trying to find out everything about my father trying to find out something about myself um, and also write about what actually what happened in ukraine when norwegian soldiers were there because those books that had been written about that didn't tell the whole story or the 
or a false story. Um, yes, there's a quote. And of course, oh. and of course, no one had written that kind of book, and I wanted to write it. So I, I want to write a good book about it. Wow, thank you. There's a quote that I'd be curious to ask you about on page 132. You write as follows. The first thing I noticed when I opened the eight tightly packed cardboard boxes full of newspaper clippings and documents that my father had left behind when he moved away from Oslo in 2005 were the crosses. On newspaper photos, he had drawn crosses on the faces of politicians, academics, or anyone else he deemed too pro-immigrant. It was his own voodoo ritual, like he was branding them to make them disappear. He had clipped article after article from many different newspapers and added caustic and hateful comments. The people with crosses drawn on their foreheads were labeled as idiots or the most disgusting of them all. He wrote his comments methodically, either directly on the newspapers or on pieces of paper. In this way, he had been leading his own political crusade for almost 20 years, up until his mental abilities and his memory started to falter. No one had seen this material until 2007, when I opened the boxes that documented his political engagements and hatreds, almost everything that had occupied him for all those years, especially in the 1990s. He called it a general cleaning up after his return from a period of exile. He had kept his mouth shut for more than 40 years after being released from the prison camp in 1947 without truly being freed. Now he was striking back, and there were many people who had to pray. All his pent-up resentments flowed out in a frantic search for people he considered traitors, writing comments on newspaper articles and drawing crosses on pictures of people he despised was his form of rebellion and his main way of communicating, but there was no one who could hear him. So he began to record the cassettes for me, talking about his life, the war, how screwed up the world was, and how terrible Norway's leaders were. Can you elaborate on this for us? Yes. When the immigration to Norway increased, people from, especially from Pakistan and other dark people with dark skin, this old racist racism uh, was uh, um, de developed again. Come back to some of the uh, ideas that they also must have had in, in the 1930s and during the war. Um, and it was, uh, and then and at that time, there were a lot of new uh, uh, anti-immigrant organization that also developed and he become member of this of these groups and he at that time he lived uh, in the middle of the what you will call it uh, some sort of a uh, an area where a lot of pakistans and other uh, immigrants lived in this in the center of oslo so he saw them everywhere and he he felt um, uh, uh, that he was threatened by them, uh, and then those, this uh, from these paper clippings that he had uh, had sorted out and and and, and put it in in his basket. It was Norwegians that 
supported immigration and people that you know were not against uh, immigration and so he he wanted them dead in a way uh, uh, silenced um, so um, and, and the, the, he talked about that in his cassettes also but the way um, and he he joined a lot of new anti-immigration parties and all the on and also parties on the right wing side and there were also a, a, poli, um, a famous polit, um, um, leader of the of um, a party a, a party called Femsky's party yeah? the, uh, it was a very uh, right wing and very against I I immigrants and he support supported them and he met you joined the party and uh, and joined also other small parties. So uh, I didn't know anything about that. Um, so I, I was really surprised and uh, and uh, and it, it it made me it made me um, made me sure that I didn't want to have anything to do with him um, because he was so aggressive and. And so brutal in 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 and what he wrote about them. So it was very difficult for me. Um, uh, but I didn't know that. But but it was my youngest daughter. I mean, or my oldest daughter that uh, went to him and picked up some of things, some of these things, and gave it to me. So that's why. And I, um, I when I when I saw that first, I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And but you know, I. Later on, um, I wanted to write the book about him, but, I, but uh, about his war. Uh, so I, I had to, I had to, I have to meet him again. And um, but the funny thing is, when he he went to my sister that lives a a, a lot um, 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 one hour from from Oslo. Um, and then and he went there and he lived uh, in in her in her house, and then he um, had to have a new doctor, and this doctor was from Pakistan, <laughs> and he didn't like Pakistans. But then he told me, this is the best doctor I ever had, <laughs> and and uh, he was a kind guy. This this doctor and then suddenly said something well perhaps all of them are not bad so it was <laughs> he was uh, 90 years old that when he had this new doctor and he, he had my father had still something wrong uh, some pain in one of his legs after the war in after he had uh, almost frozen to death in the ukraine and I went to a hospital there, and then, but I still had well, had the uh, uh, something wrong with his leg, and this this doctor, this Pakistan doctor, he treated him. This was the first one that he actually had to do uh, want to do something with his leg, so he was so happy, and that's uh, some of the in the end of the book I have had that story. So um, yes. Um, he was a so he was very political, very is very more than right wing in in a way all his life, uh, very nationalistic. I suppose he had been uh, 
I should suppose you had voted to Trump <laughs> if you had been in the US. Mm. Can you tell us about the Bjorka Langen labor camp? <clears throat> yes. There were so many people that were arrested in 1945 that had been uh, um, soldiers on the Norwegian that had been soldiers on the on the German side, and people that you know, collaborated with the with the, with the Germans, people that were had been had the, been a part of the to arrest Jews and you know a lot of lot of many very many people there, you know, were put in into prison and um, and uh, at the end, so uh, they had to. What should I do with everyone? My father was in a prison, a, a real prison, um, uh, one year, and then he was sent, sent to this uh, Birkelangen labor camp. And um, it was uh, it was a prison in a way. But they lived in barracks, and what they do, they were, and they were tim the, the timberjacks. They were, you know, um, they were they were woods that had to be. Boots that wanted to be that they wanted to get away with all the the trees and the woods and everything and they, that that's what what they did, but it it was more a free life. They could talk to each other. Someone uh, uh, prepared to run to South America, and someone learned them Spanish, and you know they could do a lot of things uh, there. More free, and they were they were Norwegian soldiers that that uh, um, I mean, were the guards, but uh, um, it was a, but it was a, a free life in a way uh, that was something different from being in the prison. That was very bad. Too many um, guys in the in the in the in the prison and everything. It was very bad, but. Some of, some of them they were prepared to the life outside, uh, outside the prison, outside when they were uh, been come back to the civilization, to back to the society, uh, and they many of them uh, uh, trained in languages. They, you know, there were a lot of lot of these guys who were there. They had been in. Had been studying at the university, and they had been so they then they become a school in a way, school in a positive way, but also in a negative way because of you know they everyone they wanted to uh, have revenge, 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 uh, and they wanted to start a new party, um, and they. They felt that they had done anything wrong, that done everything for Norway when they were soldiers in the Ukraine and other places. Um, so it was uh, an ideological an cell in a way. Um, so many of them, they started new newspapers uh, supporting what they had done. And also organizations. So these Nazis, they were, they didn't give up. They didn't give up. And they had the, the story that Holocaust has had hadn't happened. That was one of the stories that they kept to many of them, but not my father. So 
looking back at this, uh, all these many, many camps, I'm not sure whether it was smart of Norway to have that, these camps because um, they, they become some Nazi cells in a way. But on the other side, what should I do with all these people that they wanted to had 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 been sentenced to two or three years in prison, and uh, they were not. They didn't. They didn't know. How, they didn't have enough prisons for all these people. So yes, yes, that was Birkelungen. One of the there were many of these kind of camps in Norway. What kinds of ethical dilemmas are presented in your book? The, the dilemma is, is of course, to be so open about your own family. About your open, uh, open about your father, because everyone uh, understood that I was his father. His, he was my father, and I was his son. What's wrong with me? I am. A, I. I, uh, I mean, it, it was. I. I. I told him. Told a lot about the the, the way that we lived and. To be a son of a Nazi is a shame, but I didn't care about that shame. And um, so there were many who called me and, and called me and said, "Thank you for doing that." We'd had fathers like me, but there were others that you know they hated me because I told actually how it was to be that kind of a father. Others used my book to tell the story in their family that didn't that they didn't have told. Wives that didn't know anything about uh, um, the the father of those uh, of the one that they had married, and 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 um, but it's a, as a bit a big a big step to tell what kind of a life you have been a part of. Uh, my sister was ag- angry at me in the beginning, but she understood that it was a good thing to do. Um, but I mean, so many, so many young people have grown up in that kind of families, and it was, and that's always been a secret. I after when I many years uh, later, I found out later, um, in, after I had gone to school, I find out that there was two other guys in my school that had fathers like me. We didn't talk about it. We didn't, couldn't talk about it. In many places in in uh, in Norway, there's still a silence about this. My father's book has been used in these kind of milieus. I only two years ago, I was up in the Finnmark on the top of of Norway, where there's only North Pole is the is the neighbor neighbor. And then there was a library up there that they want to have us, uh, and that I was going to talk about my book, because she, they know that there were a lot of, of of uh, of, of men, mostly men, in that little uh, witch that had that kind of was the same uh, story like me, and they were invited to this meeting where I talked about my book and why I had written it. So there's still still some old men and old women that was uh, uh, Nazi kids, as we could call it, that hasn't 
talked about it. They're not liberated from that story. And the, the, the dilemma, of, of course, is that um, when you tell, tell that story, and even also tell the story about your father with the full name and everything, and you, you could, the consequences could be uh, bad or good. You don't know. But my father wanted to uh, have his name in the book, and my sister, she agreed that I should write this book. And um, but in in the, but but this, this silence is a part of the the war history, even though or even though who uh, had been on the right side, was it difficult to to, to tell what tell us what they actually was a part of, El saboteurs saboteurs, uh, killing traitors and things like that. It's it's still a silence in a way. That's the way, and that, that's that's a that's a situation in every country that was occupied by the Germans, because people had to do what they had to do. Some, in order to have a job, they took jobs that were jobs for the Germans. Other did other things. So it's this kind of a and that kind of occupation that Germany. Um, held over so many countries in 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 in, in Europe, there is still the uh, uh, a stigma. Many people have still have a stigma in their families because something happened during the occupation in order to survive. Um, yes, so that that's an ethical uh, dilemma. Should you tell or not? Thank you. As we bring today's dialogue to a close. Can you tell us about where your time and attention have gone since completing this book? Um, it, that was a book in 2008, and it was a success. So I started to, to write other books. Um, I have been uh, uh, writing books about uh, Jewish history in the 1930s in, in, in Norway and anti-Semitism in the 1930s. Not the Nazi anti-Semitism, but the, the, the anti-Semitism in or the, the anti-Jewish sentiments in in the, the in newspapers and uh, things like that. And I have also write, written a book about the, the Nazi propaganda during the Second World War in Norwegian newspapers. Um, uh, and I have also uh, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of books, uh, in a way. I so, um, but I, um, I also have uh, written two books about ethical discussions in 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 uh, in uh, in medicine. Uh, I have also written books about the uh, building of rail railroads during the Second World with the uh, during the Second World War. Uh, with uh, Russian soldiers, uh, partisans that were uh, were taken as prisoners uh, in in Russia by the Germans that were sent to Norway. Wow, uh, that's incredible. And yes, I have even written a, 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 a lot of things. It's 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 nine books. And nine books at all. I have written nine books, and but I have held so many lectures. And at least in November this year, last year, I had I think I had 
20, 20 lectures all over the Nor Norway about also about my, the, my father's workbook. Um, uh, and, uh, yes, I've been, uh, I've been writing a lot. How has it felt to you now that this book is behind you? Uh, I am very happy that it uh, has been a success. And, uh, I think that uh, people have learned something from it. I hope that if Norway ever again would be occupied from someone that uh, we managed to to get away without without few uh, collaborators that we had last time. I really appreciate your time, attention, dedication, and thoughtfulness that you communicated and conveyed during our time together today. I can hardly be more grateful. I'm I'm so lucky that we had this session together. And I'm so blessed by everything you shared and revealed, both in this book and in this conversation. Thank you. As we bring today's dialogue to a close, I'm your host on the New Books and History podcast, Ari Barbalat. Today, I've been in dialogue with Bjorn Westley. He is a writer and a historian with a PhD. He formerly worked at the University of Oslo Metropolitan. We have been discussing his newly published book, My Father's War, Confronting Norway's Nazi Past published in Madison, Wisconsin by University of Wisconsin Press 2023.